Hey everyone, here's some supplemental stuff. I'm gonna call them full episodes because that's what they are. They're full episodes and it's not more Devil's Dictionary new. It's more Oz. I figured I'd uh, throw in that book that we skipped over that just had a little bit of Dorothy but not a lot of Dorothy. It's the second Oz book and it just kind of has some Dorothy but it does fill in the gaps between... Uh, book one and book three if you're like wait a minute what happened hey what's this thing about this who's that what huh we're gonna have it and you know what we're gonna give it to you and you know who's gonna help us give it to you found item clothing of course you can get all of your favorite cool guy cool gal cool everyone t-shirts i love my uh my Revenge of the Nerds uh, booger-type t-shirts that I have, like uh, Greasy Tonys and uh, other ones that I'm not going to say because this is a family episode. So, you know, hey, if you want sassy t-shirts from your favorite 80s and 90s films, founditemclothing.com. And of course, of course, of course, Highland Cow Wooly Bull Slippers. They're just called Highland Cow Slippers, but I like saying Wooly Bull. All right, check out... Um, bunnyslippers.com. Hey, do you like uh, those those uh, slippers that Val Kilmer's character, Christopher Knight, I think it is, wore in Real Genius? Oh, they've got everything you need, even the little dealy bobber things, the alien uh, things that he wore. They've got the whole outfit. I mean, you have to supply the pants and the socks and the underwear. I don't know if he wore underwear. That's, that's up to you. That's between you and your creator, or your concept of philosophy of whatever i don't care hey you want to listen to some oz i've got some oz and also 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 not for this we've got uh some ken height coming up on people's guide to the cthulhu mythos our monthly show about the cthulhu mythos you know it you like it maybe hopefully i don't know <laughs> and ken height's going to be talking about ghouls in literature because we're going to be talking about ghouls and also, we've got some stuff coming up from David Heath about alternate forms of Dracula. And what else do we have coming up? We've got some talk about the Devil's Dictionary with David Heath as well. So, look forward to that. Hey, do you have something that you want to send me? Do you have questions that you want to ask? We'll do mailbag episodes here and once in a while, but right now we need more people to send some stuff. We got some real good questions from a guy named Mateo. Mateo, thank you for your questions. And anyone else out there who has questions for us, go to pgttcm.com, contact, or ask questions on our Facebook group for People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos and Black Clock Audio Tales. And we're also on Instagram. Here we go! Chapter 5, A Terrible Accident. It will take a few minutes for this powder to do its work, remarked the magician, sprinkling the body up and down with much care. But suddenly, the patchwork girl threw up one arm, which knocked the bottle of powder from the crooked man's hand and sent it flying across the room. Unc Nunky and Margalot were so startled that they both leaped backward and bumped together, and Unc's head joggled the shelf above them and upset the bottle containing the liquid of petrifaction. The magician uttered such a wild cry that Ojo jumped away and the patchwork girl sprang after him and clasped her stuffed arms around him in terror. The glass cat snarled and hid under the table 
and so it was that when the powerful liquid of petrifaction was spilled it fell only upon the wife of the magician and the uncle of Ojo. With these two the charm worked promptly. They stood motionless and stiff as marble statues in exactly the positions they were in when the liquid struck them. Ojo pushed the patchwork girl away and ran to Unkanunki, filled with terrible fear for the only friend and protector he had ever known. When he grasped Unk's hand, it was cold and hard. Even the long gray beard was solid marble. The crooked magician was dancing around the room in a frenzy of despair, calling upon his wife to forgive him, to speak to him, to come to life again. The patchwork girl, quickly recovering from her fright, now came nearer and looked from one to another of the people with deep interest. Then she looked at herself and laughed. Noticing the mirror, she stood before it and examined her extraordinary features with amazement. Her button eyes, pearl bead teeth, and puffy nose then, addressing her reflection in the glass, she exclaimed, "'Wee, but there's a gaudy dame, makes a paint-box blush with shame. Razzle, dazzle, fizzle, vazzle, howdy-do, miss, what's your name?' She bowed, and the reflection bowed. Then she laughed again, long and merrily, and the glass cat crept out from under the table and said, I don't blame you for laughing at yourself. Aren't you horrid? Horrid? she replied. Why, I'm thoroughly delightful. I'm an original, if you please, and therefore incomparable. Of all the comic, absurd, rare, and amusing creatures the world contains, I must be the supreme freak. Who but poor Margolotte? could have managed to invent such an unreasonable being as I. But I'm glad, I'm awfully glad, that I'm just what I am, and nothing else. Be quiet, will you? cried the frantic magician. Be quiet and let me think. If I don't think, I shall go mad. Think ahead, said the patchwork girl, seating herself in a chair. Think all you want to. I don't mind. "'Gee, but I'm tired of playing that tune,' called the phonograph, speaking through its horn in a brazen, scratchy voice. "'If you don't mind, Pipton, old boy, I'll cut it out and take a rest.' The magician looked gloomily at the music machine. "'Oh, what dreadful luck!' he wailed despondently. "'The powder of life must have fallen on the phonograph.' He went up to it and found that the gold bottle that contained the precious powder had dropped upon the stand and scattered its life-giving grains over the machine. The phonograph was very much alive and began dancing a jig with the legs of the table to which it was attached. And this dance so annoyed Dr. Pipt that he kicked the thing into a corner and pushed a bench against it to hold it quiet. You were bad enough before, said the magician resentfully, but a live phonograph is enough to drive every sane person in the land of Oz stark crazy. No insults, please, 
answered the phonograph in a surly tone. "'You did it, my boy. Don't blame me.' "'You've bungled everything,' Dr. Pipped added the glass cat contemptuously. "'Except me,' said the patchwork girl, jumping up to whirl merrily around the room. "'I think,' said Ojo, almost ready to cry through grief over Unc Nunky's sad fate, "'it must have been my fault in some way. I'm called Ojo the Unlucky, you know.' "'That's nonsense, Kitty,' retorted the patchwork girl cheerfully. No one can be unlucky who has the intelligence to direct his own actions. The unlucky ones are those who beg for a chance to think, like poor Dr. Pipped here. What's the row about, anyway, Mr. Magic Maker? The liquid of petrifaction has accidentally fallen upon my dear wife and Unc Nunky, and turned them into marble, he sadly replied. Well? "'Why don't you sprinkle some of that powder on them and bring them to life again?' asked the patchwork girl. The magician gave a jump. "'Why hadn't I thought of that?' he joyfully cried, and grabbed up the golden bottle with which he ran to Margolotte. Said the patchwork girl, "'Higgly piggly dee, what fools magicians be! His head's so thick he can't think quick, so he takes advice from me.' Standing upon the bench, for he was so crooked he could not reach the top of his wife's head in any other way, Dr. Pipped began shaking the bottle. But not a grain of powder came out. He pulled off the cover, glanced within, and then threw the bottle from him with a wail of despair. "'Oh, gone, gone, every bit gone!' he cried. Wasted on that miserable phonograph, when it might have saved my dear wife. Then the magician bowed his head on his crooked arms and began to cry. Ojo was sorry for him. He went up to the sorrowful man and said softly, You can make more powder of life, Dr. Pipped. Yes, but it will take me six years. Six long, weary years of stirring four kettles, with both feet and both hands, was the agonized reply. Six years! While poor Margolot stands watching me as a marble image. Can't anything else be done? asked the patchwork girl. The magician shook his head. Then he seemed to remember something and looked up. There is one other compound that would destroy the magic spell of the liquid of petrifaction and restore my wife and Uncle Nunky to life, said he. It may be hard to find the things I need to make this magic compound, but if they were found, I could do in an instant what will otherwise take six long, weary years of stirring kettles with both hands and feet. All right, let's find the things, then suggested the patchwork girl. That seems a lot more sensible than those stirring times with the kettles. That's the idea, Scraps, said the glass cat approvingly. I'm glad to find you have decent brains. Mine are exceptionally good. You can see them work. They're pink. Scraps, repeated the girl. Did you call me Scraps? Is that my name? I, I believe my poor wife had intended to name you Angeline, said the magician. 
but I like scraps best, she replied with a laugh. It fits me better, for my patchwork is all scraps and nothing else. Thank you for naming me, Miss Cat. Have you any name of your own? I have a foolish name that Margolot once gave me, but which is quite undignified for one of my importance, answered the cat. She called me Bungle. Yes, sighed the magician. You were a sad Bungle, taken all in all. I was wrong to make you as I did, for a more useless, conceited, and brittle thing never before existed. I'm not so brittle as you think, retorted the cat. I've been alive a good many years, for Dr. Pipt experimented on me with the first magic powder of life he ever made, and so far I've never broken or cracked or chipped any part of me. You seem to have a chip on your shoulder, laughed the patchwork girl, and the cat went to the mirror to see. Tell me, pleaded Ojo, speaking to the crooked magician, what must we find to make the compound that will save Uncle Nunky? First, was the reply, I must have a six-leaved clover. That can only be found in the green country around the Emerald City, and six-leaved clovers are very scarce even there. I'll find it for you, promised Ojo. The next thing, continued the magician, is the left wing of a yellow butterfly. That color can only be found in the yellow country of the Wingies, west of the Emerald City. I'll find it, declared Ojo. Is that all? Oh, no. I'll get my book of recipes and see what comes next. Saying this, the magician unlocked a drawer of his cabinet and drew out a small book covered with blue leather. Looking through the pages, he found the recipe he wanted and said, I must have a gill of water from a dark well. What kind of a well is that, sir? asked the boy. One where the light of day never penetrates. The water must be put in a gold bottle and brought to me without any light ever reaching it. I'll get the water from the dark well, said Ojo. Then I must have three hairs from the tip of a woozy's tail and a drop of oil from a live man's body. Ojo looked grave at this. "'What is a woozy, please?' he inquired. "'Some sort of animal. I've never seen one, so I can't describe it,' replied the magician. "'If I can find a woozy, I'll get the hairs from his tail,' said Ojo. "'But is there ever any oil in a man's body?' The magician looked in the book again to make sure. "'That's what the recipe calls for,' he replied. "'And, of course, we must get everything that is called for,' or the charm won't work. The book doesn't say blood, it says oil. And there must be oil somewhere in a live man's body, or the book wouldn't ask for it. All right, returned Ojo, trying not to feel discouraged. I'll try to find it. The magician looked at the little munchkin boy in a doubtful way and said, All this will mean a long journey for you, perhaps several long journeys, for you must search through several of the different countries of Oz in order to get the things I need. I know, sir, but I must do my best to save Unc Nunky. And also my poor wife, Margolot. 
If you save one, you will save the other, for both stand there together, and the same compound will restore them both to life. Do the best you can, Ojo, and while you are gone, I shall begin the six-year job of making a new batch of the powder of life. Then, if you should unluckily fail to secure any one of the things needed, I will have lost no time. But if you succeed, you must return here as quickly as you can, and that will save me much tiresome stirring of four kettles with both feet and both hands. I will start on my journey at once, sir, said the boy. And I will go with you, declared the patchwork girl. No, no, exclaimed the magician. You have no right to leave this house. You are only a servant and have not been discharged. Scraps, who had been dancing up and down the room, stopped and looked at him. What is a servant? she asked. One who serves, a, a sort of slave, he explained. Very well, said the patchwork girl. I am going to serve you and your wife by helping Ojo find the things you need. You need a lot, you know, such as are not easily found. It is true, sighed Dr. Pipt. I am well aware that Ojo has undertaken a serious task. Scraps laughed, and, resuming her dance, she said, Here's a job for a boy of brains, a drop of oil from a live man's veins. A six-leaved clover, three nice hairs, from a woozy's tail, the book declares, are needed for the magic spell, and water from a pitch-dark well, the yellow wing of a butterfly, to find must Ojo also try. And if he gets them, without harm, Dr. Pipt will make the magic charm, but if he doesn't get em, Unc will always stand a marble chunk. The magician looked at her thoughtfully. Poor Margolot must have given you some of the quality of posy by mistake, he said. And if that is true, I didn't make a very good article when I prepared it. Or else you got an overdose, or an underdose. However, I believe I shall let you go with Ojo, for my poor wife will not need your services until she is restored to life. Also, I think you may be able to help the boy— for your head seems to contain some thoughts I did not expect to find in it. But be very careful of yourself, for you're a souvenir of my dear Margolot. Try not to get ripped, or your stuffing may fall out. One of your eyes seems loose, and you may have to sew it on tighter. If you talk too much, you'll wear out your scarlet plush tongue, which ought to have been hemmed on the edges. And remember— you belong to me and must return here as soon as your mission is accomplished. I'm going with Scraps and Ojo, announced the glass cat. You can't, said the magician. Why not? You'll get broken in no time. You couldn't be a bit of use to the boy and the patchwork girl. I beg to differ with you, returned the cat in a haughty tone. Three heads are better than two, and my pink brains are beautiful. You can see em work. Well, go along, said the magician irritably. You're only an annoyance anyhow, and I'm glad to get rid of you. Thank you for nothing, then, answered the cat stiffly. Dr. Pipt took a small basket from a cupboard and packed several things in it. 
Then he handed it to Ojo. Here is some food and a bundle of charms, he said. It's all I can give you, but I am sure you will find friends on your journey who will assist you in your search. Take care of the patchwork girl and bring her safely back, for she ought to prove useful to my wife. As for the glass cat, properly named Bungle, if she bothers you, I now give you my permission to break her in two, for she is not respectful and does not obey me. I made a mistake in giving her the pink brains, you see. Then Ojo went to Unc Nunky and kissed the old man's marble face very tenderly. I'm going to try to save you, Unc, he said, just as if the marble image could hear him. And then he shook the crooked hand of the crooked magician, who was already busy hanging the four kettles in the fireplace, and, picking up his basket, left the house. The patchwork girl followed him, and after them came the glass cat. End of chapter 5 Chapter 6 The Journey Ojo had never traveled before, and so he only knew that the path down the mountainside led into the open munchkin country where large numbers of people dwelt. Scraps was quite new and not supposed to know anything of the land of Oz, while the glass cat admitted she had never wandered very far away from the magician's house. There was only one path before them at the beginning, so they could not miss their way, and for a time they walked through the thick forest in silent thought, each one impressed with the importance of the adventure they had undertaken. Suddenly the patchwork girl laughed. It was funny to see her laugh, because her cheeks wrinkled up, her nose tipped, her silver button eyes twinkled, and her mouth curled at the corners in a comical way. "'Has something pleased you?' asked Ojo, who was feeling solemn and joyless through thinking upon his uncle's sad fate. "'Yes,' she answered. "'Your world pleases me, for it is a queer world, and life in it is queerer still. Here am I, made from an old bed-quilt, and intended to be a slave to Margolot rendered free as air by an accident that none of you could foresee. I am enjoying life and seeing the world while the woman who made me is standing helpless as a block of wood. If that isn't funny enough to laugh at, I don't know what is. You're not seeing much of the world yet, my poor innocent scraps, remarked the cat. The world doesn't consist wholly of the trees that are on all sides of us. But they're part of it, and aren't they pretty trees? returned Scraps, bobbing her head until her brown yarn curls fluttered in the breeze. Growing between them, I can see lovely ferns and wildflowers and soft green mosses. If the rest of your world is half as beautiful, I shall be glad I'm alive. I don't know what the rest of the world is like, I'm sure, said the cat, but I mean to find out. I've never been out of the forest, Ojo added, but to me the trees are gloomy and sad, and the wildflowers seem lonesome. 
It must be nicer where there are no trees and there is room for lots of people to live together. I wonder if any of the people we shall meet will be as splendid as I am, said the patchwork girl. All I have seen so far have pale, colorless skins and clothes as blue as the country they live in, while I am of many gorgeous colors, face and body and clothes. That is why I am bright and contented, Ojo, while you are blue and sad. I think I made a mistake in giving you so many sorts of brains, observed the boy. Perhaps, as the magician said, you have an overdose and they may not agree with you. What had you to do with my brains? asked Scraps. A lot, replied Ojo. Old Margalot meant to give you only a few, just enough to keep you going. But when she wasn't looking, I added a good many more of the best kinds I could find in the magician's cupboard. Thanks, said the girl, dancing along the path ahead of Ojo, and then dancing back to his side. If a few brains are good, many brains must be better. But they ought to be evenly balanced, said the boy, and I had no time to be careful. From the way you're acting, I guess the dose was badly mixed. Scraps hasn't enough brains to hurt her, so don't worry, remarked the cat, which was trotting along in a very dainty and graceful manner. The only brains worth considering are mine, which are pink. You can see em work. After walking a long time, they came to a little brook that trickled across the path, and here Ojo sat down to rest and eat something from his basket. He found that the magician had given him part of a loaf of bread and a slice of cheese. He broke off some of the bread and was surprised to find the loaf just as large as it was before. It was the same way with the cheese. However much he broke off from the slice, it remained exactly the same size. Ah, said he, nodding wisely, that's magic. Dr. Pip has enchanted the bread and the cheese, so it will last me all through my journey, however much I eat. Why do you put those things into your mouth? asked Scraps, gazing at him in astonishment. Do you need more stuffing? Then why don't you use cotton, such as I am stuffed with? I don't need that kind, said Ojo. But a mouth is to talk with, isn't it? It is also to eat with, replied the boy. If I didn't put food into my mouth and eat it, I would get hungry and starve. Ah, I didn't know that, she said. Give me some. Ojo handed her a bit of bread, and she put it in her mouth. What next? she asked, scarcely able to speak. Chew it and swallow it, said the boy. Scraps tried that. Her pearl teeth were unable to chew the bread, and beyond her mouth there was no opening. Being unable to swallow, she threw away the bread and laughed. I must get hungry and starve, for I can't eat, she said. Neither can I, announced the cat. But I'm not fooled enough to try. Can't you understand that you and I are superior people, 
and not made like these poor humans. Why should I understand that, or anything else? asked the girl. Don't bother my head by asking conundrums, I beg of you. Just let me discover myself in my own way. With this she began amusing herself by leaping across the brook and back again. Be careful, or you'll fall in the water, warned Ojo. Never mind. You'd better. If you get wet, you'll be soggy and can't walk. Your colors might run, too, he said. Don't my colors run whenever I run? she asked. Not in the way I mean. If they get wet, the reds and greens and yellows and purples of your patches might run into each other and become just a blur. No color at all, you know. Then, said the patchwork girl, I'll be careful, for if I spoil my splendid colors, I would cease to be beautiful. Pah! sneered the glass cat. Such colors are not beautiful. They're ugly and in bad taste. Please notice that my body has no color at all. I'm transparent, except for my exquisite red heart and my lovely pink brains. You can see em work. Shoo, 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 cried Scraps, dancing around and laughing. And your horrid green eyes, Miss Bungle. You can't see your eyes, but we can. And I notice you're very proud of what little color you have. Shoo, Miss Bungle. Shoo, shoo, shoo. If you were all colors and many colors as I am, you'd be too stuck up for anything. She leaped over the cat and back again, and the startled Bungle crept close to a tree to escape her. This made Scraps laugh more heartily than ever, and she said, Whoop-dee-doodle-doo, the cat has lost her shoe. Her tootsie's bare, but she don't care. So what's the odds to you? Dear me, Ojo, said the cat, don't you think the creature is a little bit crazy? It may be, he answered with a puzzled look. If she continues her insults, I'll scratch off her suspender button eyes, declared the cat. Don't quarrel, please, pleaded the boy, rising to resume the journey. Let us be good comrades and as happy and cheerful as possible, for we are likely to meet with plenty of trouble on our way. It was nearly sundown when they came to the edge of the forest and saw spread out before them a delightful landscape. There were broad blue fields stretching for miles over the valley, which was dotted everywhere with pretty blue domed houses, none of which, however, was very near to the place where they stood. Just at the point where the path left the forest stood a tiny house covered with leaves from the trees, and before this stood a munchkin man with an axe in his hand. He seemed very much surprised when Ojo and Scraps and the glass cat came out of the woods, but as the patchwork girl approached nearer, he sat down upon a bench and laughed so hard that he could not speak for a long time. This man was a woodchopper and lived all alone in the little house. He had bushy blue whiskers and merry blue eyes, and his blue clothes were quite old and worn. 
mercy me exclaimed the woodchopper when at last he could stop laughing who would think such a funny harlequin lived in the land of oz where did you come from crazy quilt do you mean me asked the patchwork girl of course he replied you misjudge my ancestry i'm not a crazy quilt i'm patchwork she said there's no difference he replied beginning to laugh again <laughs> when my old grandmother sews such things together she calls it a crazy quilt but i never thought such a jumble could come to life it was the magic powder that did it explained ojo oh then you have come from the crooked magician on the mountain i might have known it for well i declare here's a glass cat but the magician will get in trouble for this it's against the law for anyone to work magic except glinda the good and the royal wizard of oz if you people are things or glass spectacles or crazy quilts or whatever you are go near the emerald city you'll be arrested we're going there anyhow declared scraps sitting upon the bench and swinging her stuffed legs if any of us takes a rest we'll be arrested for sure and get no restitution cause the rest we must endure i see said the woodchopper nodding you're as crazy as the crazy quilt you're made of she really is crazy remarked the glass cat but that isn't to be wondered at when you remember how many different things she's made of for my part i'm made of pure glass except my jewel heart and my pretty pink brains did you notice my brains stranger you can see em work so i can replied the woodchopper but i can't see that they accomplish much a glass cat is a useless sort of thing but a patchwork girl is really useful she makes me laugh and laughter is the best thing in the world there was once a woodchopper a friend of mine who was made all of tin and i used to laugh every time i saw him a tin woodchopper said ojo that is strange my friend wasn't always tin said the man but he was careless with his axe and used to chop himself very badly whenever he lost an arm or a leg he had it replaced with tin so after a while he was all tin and could he chop wood then asked the boy he could if he didn't rust his tin joints but one day he met dorothy in the forest and went with her to the emerald city where he made his fortune he is now one of the favorites of princess ozma and she has made him the emperor of the winkies the country where all is yellow who is dorothy inquired the patchwork girl a little maid who used to live in kansas but is now a princess of oz she's ozma's best friend they say and lives with her in the royal palace is dorothy made of tin inquired ojo is she patchwork like me inquired scraps no said the man dorothy is flesh just as i am i know of only one tin person and that is nick chopper the tin woodman and there will never be but one patchwork girl 
for any magician that sees you will refuse to make another one like you. I suppose we shall see the Tin Woodman, for we are going to the country of the Winkies, said the boy. What for? asked the woodchopper. To get the left wing of a yellow butterfly. It's a long journey, declared the man, and you will go through lonely parts of Oz and cross rivers and traverse dark forests before you get there. Suits me all right, said Scraps. I'll get a chance to see the country. You're crazy, girl. Better crawl into a rag bag and hide there, or give yourself to some little girl to play with. Those who travel are likely to meet trouble. That's why I stay at home. The woodchopper then invited them all to stay the night at his little hut, but they were anxious to get on, and so left him and continued along the path, which was broader now and more distinct. They expected to reach some other house before it grew dark, but the twilight was brief, and Ojo soon began to fear they had made a mistake in leaving the woodchopper. I can scarcely see the path, he said at last. Can you see it, Scraps? No, replied the patchwork girl, who was holding fast to the boy's arm so he could guide her. I can see, declared the glass cat. My eyes are better than yours, and my pink brains— Never mind your pink brains, please, said Ojo hastily. Just run ahead and show us the way. Wait a minute, and I'll tie a string to you, for then you can lead us. He got a string from his pocket and tied it around the cat's neck, and after that the creature guided them along the path. They had proceeded in this way for about an hour when a twinkling blue light appeared ahead of them. "'Good! There's a house at last!' cried Ojo. "'When we reach it, the good people will surely welcome us and give us a night's lodging.' But however far they walked, the light seemed to get no nearer, so by and by the cat stopped short, saying, "'I think the light is traveling, too, and we shall never be able to catch up with it. But here is a house by the roadside, so why go farther? Where is the house, Bungle? Just here beside us, Scraps.' Ojo was now able to see a small house near the pathway. It was dark and silent, but the boy was tired and wanted to rest, so he went up to the door and knocked. "'Who is there?' cried a voice from within. "'I am Ojo the Unlucky, and with me are Miss Scraps Patchwork and the Glass Cat,' he replied. "'What do you want?' asked the voice. "'A place to sleep,' said Ojo. "'Come in, then, but don't make any noise, and you must go directly to bed,' returned the voice. Ojo unlatched the door and entered. It was very dark inside, and he could see nothing at all. But the cat exclaimed, "'Why, there is no one here!' "'There must be,' said the boy. "'Someone spoke to me.' "'I can see everything in the room,' replied the cat. And no one is present but ourselves. But here are three beds, all made up, so we may as well go to sleep. What is sleep? inquired the patchwork girl. It's what you do when you go to bed, said Ojo. But why do you go to bed? persisted the patchwork girl. 
Here, here, you are making altogether too much noise, cried the voice they had heard before. Keep quiet, strangers, and go to bed. The cat, which could see in the dark, looked sharply around for the owner of the voice, but could discover no one, although the voice had seemed close beside them. She arched her back a little and seemed afraid. Then she whispered to Ojo, Come, and led him to a bed. With his hands the boy felt of the bed and found it was big and soft, with feather pillows and plenty of blankets. So he took off his shoes and hat and crept into the bed. Then the cat led Scraps to another bed, and the patchwork girl was puzzled to know what to do with it. "'Lie down and keep quiet,' whispered the cat warningly. "'Can't I sing?' asked Scraps. "'No.' "'Can't I whistle?' asked Scraps. No. Can't I dance till morning if I want to? asked Scraps. You must keep quiet, said the cat in a soft voice. I don't want to, replied the patchwork girl, speaking as loudly as usual. What right have you to order me around? If I want to talk or yell or whistle, before she could say anything more, an unseen hand seized her firmly and threw her out of the door, which closed behind her with a sharp slam. She found herself bumping and rolling in the road, and when she got up and tried to open the door of the house again, she found it locked. "'What has happened to Scraps?' asked Ojo. "'Never mind. Let's go to sleep, or something will happen to us,' answered the glass cat. So Ojo snuggled down in his bed and fell asleep, and he was so tired that he never wakened until broad daylight. End of Chapter 6 Chapter 7 The Troublesome Phonograph When the boy opened his eyes next morning, he looked carefully around the room. These small munchkin houses seldom had more than one room in them, that in which Ojo now found himself had three beds, set all in a row on one side of it. The glass cat lay asleep on one bed, Ojo was in the second, and the third was neatly made up and smoothed for the day. On the other side of the room was a round table on which breakfast was already placed, smoking hot. Only one chair was drawn up to the table, where a place was set for one person. No one seemed to be in the room except the boy and Bungle. Ojo got up and put on his shoes. Finding a toilet stand at the head of the bed, he washed his face and hands and brushed his hair. Then he went to the table and said, I wonder if this is my breakfast. Eat it, commanded a voice at his side, so near that Ojo jumped. But no person could he see. He was hungry and the breakfast looked good. So he sat down and ate all he wanted. Then, rising, he took his hat and wakened the glass cat. Come on, Bungle, said he, we must go. He cast another glance about the room, and, speaking to the air, he said, Whoever lives here has been kind to me, and I am much obliged. There was no answer, so he took his basket and went out the door, the cat following him. In the middle of the path sat the patchwork girl, playing with pebbles she had picked up. 
Oh, there you are, she exclaimed cheerfully. I thought you were never coming out. It has been daylight a long time. What did you do all night? asked the boy. Sat here and watched the stars and the moon, she replied. They're interesting. I never saw them before, you know. Of course not, said Ojo. You were crazy to act so badly and get thrown outdoors, remarked Bungle as they renewed their journey. That's all right, said Scraps. If I hadn't been thrown out, I wouldn't have seen the stars, nor the big gray wolf. What wolf? inquired Ojo. The one that came to the door of the house three times during the night. I don't see why that should be, said the boy thoughtfully. There was plenty to eat in that house, for I had a fine breakfast and I slept in a nice bed. Don't you feel tired? asked the patchwork girl, noticing that the boy yawned. Why, yes, I'm as tired as I was last night, and yet I slept very well. And aren't you hungry? It's strange, replied Ojo. I had a good breakfast, and yet I think I'll now eat some of my crackers and cheese. Scraps danced up and down the path. Then she sang, Gizzle, Cazzle, Cor, the wolf is at the door. There's nothing to eat but a bone without meat and a bill from the grocery store. What does that mean? asked Ojo. Don't ask me, replied Scraps. I say what comes into my head, but of course I know nothing of a grocery store or bones without meat or very much else. No, said the cat. She's stark, staring, raving, crazy, and her brains can't be pink, for they don't work properly. Bother the brains, cried Scraps. Who cares for em anyhow? Have you noticed how beautiful my patches are in this sunlight? Just then they heard a sound as of footsteps pattering along the path behind them, and all three turned to see what was coming. To their astonishment, they beheld a small round table running as fast as its four spindle legs could carry it, and to the top was screwed fast a phonograph with a big gold horn. Hold on, shouted the phonograph. Wait for me. Goodness me, it's that music thing which the crooked magician scattered the powder of life over, said Ojo. So it is, returned Bungle in a grumpy tone of voice, and then, as the phonograph overtook them, the glass cat added sternly, What are you doing here, anyhow? I've run away, said the music thing. After you left, old Dr. Pipt and I had a dreadful quarrel, and he threatened to smash me to pieces if I didn't keep quiet. Of course I wouldn't do that, because a talking machine is supposed to talk and make a noise, and sometimes music. So I slipped out of the house while the magician was stirring his four kettles, and I've been running after you all night. Now that I've found such pleasant company, I can talk and play tunes all I want to. Ojo was greatly annoyed by this unwelcomed addition to their party. At first he did not know what to say to the newcomer, but a little thought decided him not to make friends. We are traveling on important business, he declared, and you'll excuse me if I say we can't be bothered. How very impolite! exclaimed the photograph. I'm sorry, but it's true, said the boy. 
You'll have to go somewhere else. This is very unkind treatment, I must say, whined the phonograph in an injured tone. Everyone seems to hate me, and yet I was intended to amuse people. It isn't you we hate especially, observed the glass cat. It's your dreadful music. When I lived in the same room with you, I was much annoyed by your squeaky horn. It growls and grumbles and clicks and scratches, so it spoils the music. And your machinery rumbles, so that the racket drowns every tune you attempt. That isn't my fault. It's the fault of my records. I must admit that I haven't a clear record, answered the machine. Just the same, you'll have to go away, said Ojo. Wait a minute, cried Scraps. This music thing interests me. I remember to have heard music when I first came to life, and I would like to hear it again. What is your name, my poor abused phonograph? Victor Columbia Edison, it answered. Well, I shall call you Vic for short, said the patchwork girl. Go ahead and play something. It'll drive you crazy, warned the cat. I'm crazy now, according to your statement. Loosen up and reel out the music, Vic. The only record I have with me, explained the phonograph, is one the magician attached just before we had our quarrel. It's a highly classical composition. A what? inquired Scraps. It is classical music and is considered the best and most puzzling ever manufactured. You're supposed to like it, whether you do or not, and if you don't, the proper thing is to look as if you did, understand? Not in the least, said Scraps. Then listen. At once the machine began to play, and in a few minutes Ojo put his hands to his ears to shut out the sounds, and the cat snarled, and Scraps began to laugh. Cut it out, Vic, she said. That's enough. But the phonograph continued playing the dreary tune, so Ojo seized the crank, jerked it free, and threw it into the road. However, the moment the crank struck the ground, it bounded back to the machine again, and began winding it up. And still the music played. Let's run, cried Scraps, and they all started and ran down the path as fast as they could go. But the phonograph was right behind them, and could run and play at the same time. It called out reproachfully, What's the matter? Don't you love classical music? No, Vic, said Scraps, halting. We will pasicle the classical and preserve what joy we have left. I haven't any nerves, thank goodness, but your music makes my cotton shrink. Then turn over my record. There's ragtime tune on the other side, said the machine. What's ragtime? The opposite of classical. All right, said Scraps, and turned over the record. The phonograph now began to play a jerky jumble of sounds, which proved so bewildering that, after a moment, Scraps stuffed her patchwork apron into the gold horn and cried, Stop! Stop! That's the other extreme! 
It's extremely bad. Muffled as it was, the phonograph played on. If you don't shut off that music, I'll smash your record, threatened Dojo. The music stopped at that, and the machine turned its horn from one to another and said with great indignation, What's the matter now? Is it possible you can't appreciate ragtime? Scraps ought to, being rags herself, said the cat. But I simply can't stand it. It makes my whiskers curl. It is indeed dreadful, exclaimed Ojo with a shudder. It's enough to drive a crazy lady mad, murmured the patchwork girl. I'll tell you what, Vic, she added as she smoothed out her apron and put it on again. For some reason or other you've missed your guess. You're not a concert. You're a nuisance. Music hath charms to soothe the savage breast, asserted the phonograph sadly. Then we're not savages. I advise you to go home and beg the magician's pardon. Never! He'd smash me! That's what we will do if you stay here, Ojo declared. Run along, Vic, and bother someone else, advised Scraps. Find someone who is real wicked and stay with him till he repents. In that way you can do some good in the world. The music thing turned itself silently away and trotted down a side path toward a distant munchkin village. Is that the way we go? asked Bungle anxiously. No, said Ojo. I think we shall keep straight ahead, for this path is the widest and best. When we come to some house, we will inquire the way to the Emerald City. End of chapter 7 Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to these extra episodes of The Patchwork Girl of Oz. I'm your host, D.B. Spitzer, and if you want to help this show and make sure that it is here in the future, you can always go to pgttcm.com and learn how to be a patron not through Patreon, but through Podbean.com. And it helps the show, and if you're interested, I have things like coloring books, and uh, which I'm updating stuff for an RPG that I'm working on, that I'm updating as I'm working on it. And I haven't any plans for any extra episodes yet. And if, uh, you know, that's not enough interaction for you, how about something that you can wear? Go to pgttcm.com, hit that shop button, You'll find shirts for this show. You'll find shirts for Dave's show. There's probably some Articulate Warbling shirts in there. Anyway, everything that you find on pgttcm.com, you'll find there. And of course, hey, bunnyslippers.com. Check out their Highland Cow Slippers. They're pretty cool. I like them. They keep my feet warm. And they dust the floor as I walk around. Which, actually, no, I sweep, so that's not even a thing. Anyway... Hey, let me know that you listen to the show. I want to I wanna know if you're actually out there. I, I, I get numbers, but I don't know if it's just bots these days. So thank you so much for listening. And stay safe, stay clean, stay out of other people's moist throat zone, moist vapor zone, moist whatever it is. Just, you know, that's bad news. And uh, I, I can't think of anything else, but, you know, hey, stay safe, 
if if you're working and listening to this, hey, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I I've got a job packaging food and shipping it out, and yeah, I know we have uh, folks shipping our stuff through Amazon constantly and UPS and all the people out there are doing hard work. You know what? And uh, just a shout out to the folks at Panco. Uh, look up uh, mushroomjerky.com. That's 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 something out there. It's it's super shelf stable. You can do things like take like a quart of milk, throw some in there, microwave it for about three minutes. You got yourself some mushroom soup. Anyway, that's just a tip from me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, thank you, uh, Pan Mushroom, for employing me and also creating a product that's like really good. Uh, tasty and wonderful uh, during this time of need when people need something other than just, I don't know, potato chips or something. It's a plant-based protein, and it's jerky. And you know what? Hey, everyone, you know what? Stay safe, stay awesome, and uh, oh, man, I just don't want to get off the microphone because that means that it's 